was funny, a trust fall, right? Generally, we all know that when we're going to do a trust fall, well, we all go backwards. You know, everybody's in the back. But sometimes we're, we're actually, uh, you know, falling the wrong way. You know, and uh, any, which, any which way we're falling, I would imagine when I see that is, is that God's going to be there. And trust is uh, it's 100% with him. You know, if it was God there and the guy was standing there, I'm sure God would have been all around you. And no matter which way you want to think you're going to go, he was there to catch you. And, you know, sometimes we put a trust in men, and we can only do so much. Right? I saw that, and, you know, we're all in the back. Hey, dude, let it go. And he goes forward, and we all get scared because we were there to help. But we, we weren't there fully like God would be, right? That's, uh, it's amazing how when you see that stuff, you, in the split second, right? to me, it was the funniest thing in the world. I, I kind of want to call that guy, how dumb is he? Why did he go forward, you know? But... Uh, but then again, you stop and you think, you know, it's, it's, it's where you're at and how you're falling when you can trust God that wherever it's at, he's there. That is a great, it's a good, good video. Thank you. It really, really talked to me. It made me laugh, but then all of a sudden you, you stop and think about it, right? Oh, glory to God. That's amazing. Um, you know what? We're starting. Let's just stand up and let's say a quick little prayer. And um, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, God, for everything you've given us. Thank you for, for right now. Thank you for today. You know, thank you for everything that we've done, God, because, uh, you know, we've done it with you. And, God, we also want to ask you for forgiveness, Father, you know, from two seconds backwards, whatever we've done that we've done without you, whatever we've sinned, God, we ask you, God, and I ask you personally to forgive me. You know, let me a clean slate, and you're there, Father. You're there for me at every time, and I know you're there for everybody as well. All my brothers and my sisters are out there. Brothers, today, because it's, it's our uh, a men's uh, service, but nevertheless, God, we, we thank you, and we place this service in your hands, and we love you, God, because um, you're going to teach us more and more on how to trust in you. We thank you, and amen. Glory to God. Hello, everyone. Uh, trust, it's, it's one of the hardest things to... to uh, to do sometimes, just to trust someone. You take your car to get fixed. Um, you're gonna buy something. They tell you theirs is the best. Um, so it's it's something we struggle with, even even in in, ev in everyday things that are, that are happening with us. And it's no different with God. It's the same thing. We 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 hear the word, we study the word, and then sometimes we don't. We struggle to apply it to ourselves. Uh, to trust and to fully trust the the word, but uh, w just in my own experience, I, I came to the Lord here about five years ago. Um, it was one of the main things that I struggled with, uh, and it because of my circumstance, I had to I had to figure it out really quick if I was going to come to the Lord fully or if I was just going to use it as a tool, and 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 I, I didn't want to use it as a tool. If I felt if I was going to come to the Lord and ask ask Him to come into my life, I, I was going to uh, surrender fully. So it wasn't overnight. It took about, you know, it's t it's I'm still working on it. You know, it, but the first two three months was really really hard. Um, best way I can explain it was almost like like a mind warp. <laughs> You know, I, I wanted to, to fix my problem my way. I think most of us 
are guilty of that. We, we come across a problem and, and we Google it. <laughs> or, or we ask a first, you know, our friends, our, our family, uh, and, and God is like the last one on the list, you know, and, it, it, and I did the same thing. You know, I, I went to friends and family and people that I trusted, you know, most of my life. And the person I had just met, uh, his name was Michael. Uh, ultimately, he's the one that I trusted. I had only known him for two, three months. Uh, and, and it was the best choice I ever made. It, 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 it changed my life. It, it, it helped me get through my situation that I was in. It, it's, uh, it helped me immensely. I never, I was the last one that I thought would, would come to, to ask the Lord to help me with my situation. And, and it took trust. It took trusting what I was reading. It took trusting what the uh, pastor was telling me. It took uh, trust and uh, fellowshipping with, with the uh, church members. And, and uh, little by little, it, 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 the word would, would come through. Right when I thought, ah, this is not going to work, it would come through. And it would come through. So uh, trust is a big, is a big, uh, is a big thing when it comes to studying the word. I want to share a little bit of, with you guys. I, I researched a little bit on uh, just to give a, an overview of, of trust. So I'm, I'm going to read here just from this uh, little bit of research here. Uh, trust means a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Uh, in the Bible. Trust literally means a bold, confident, sure security. Trust is not exactly the same as having faith, which is the gift of God. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by our works, so that no one can boast. Therefore, trusting is what we do because of the faith we have been given. Trust means that we believe in the promises of God in all circumstances, even in those where the evidence seems to be to the contrary. And that's, that's so true, it just, like again, you know, in everyday life, you know, bad things happen, uh, we lose someone and we say, you know, how can this be? I prayed, I, I, I did everything that the word tells me to do and, and, and I still lost my loved one. Uh, Sometimes it's, those are things that are unexplained, but we've got to keep trusting God's word and that what the circumstance dictates or what happens is, is for the better, it is for the good, and sometimes we don't even know it at the time that it happens. The blessing might be years down the road, and when you look back on your life, you, you can, then, you can, then you'll be able to recognize it, but at the time, you have no, no answers for why it's happening. So that's... That's one evidence there. Um, and I wanted to share also fear. To be afraid means to be fearful of someone or something that is dangerous, can cause us pain, or is threatening. It is normal, instinct, and a reality we all have to deal with at one time or another. It is not a weakness we have. It is an element that arises from the fact that we live in a fallen and sinful world. It also becomes a problem for a believer when it begins to be the most compelling factor in our life, causing us to respond more to the fear 
than to the Lord who indwells us and promises he will take care of us and protect us. So that, that goes hand in hand. Fear can uh, make us do, can take care of us at, in times of, you know, when you need to react to a, a, a situation that you're in, in danger, but it can also paralyze you and not let you move forward. So it's, it's something that needs to be overcome. And one thing that I've learned is the only way to overcome extreme fear is trusting in the Lord, knowing that he's gonna catch you, he's gonna carry you through and, and get you to the other side uh, safely. If w without him, there's, there's just no way you can do it on your own. There's, you, you, will, you, will, you will crumble, you will, uh, the enemy comes in and bombards us and says that you're not strong enough, that you can't do it, you've done too much harm, you've, you've done this in the past, there's no way, you know, God's not going to come and save you, and that's what the enemy wants. He wants to make you weak. But um, in, in my testimony, I can assure you it, it's been the complete opposite. It's made me stronger. It's um, made me a much better person. Even just speaking to fellowship, you know, with other men, that are going through circumstances, I'm able to speak in a whole different way than I than I would take care of problems before. But much much more uh, spiritual, and and trusting the Word of God is the only way that 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 gets the person over over that fear, over the not knowing, and gives a, a person hope. You know, as ultimately that's what we want. We we need hope to know that it is going to be better tomorrow. So I wanted to share a little bit also in, uh, from scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Th these are promises. They're not, it might happen, it, it could happen. These are promises from the Lord saying, this is this is way it's, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, Again, the biggest thing for us is to trust. You know, we a lot of times we want things to happen overnight, and sometimes those blessings don't come overnight. It sometimes it might take days, months, it might take years. Our 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 duty is to stay obedient because those blessings will come. There are His promises. Uh, another one I wanted to share was uh, Proverbs um, three five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make, make straight your paths. Um, again, that's tr putting trust in God's word. So that's, that's one of the key things to, to have in mind when you're reading God's word. Uh, Sometimes we just go look for what we want to hear, what we want to see, um, but but it takes the whole the whole the whole book, the whole Bible, to to get a full understanding. And and my message to everyone is is you got to go read it yourself. You you got to go read it. You got to go study it uh, yourself. You can't you can't get everything out of you know going Sunday for 45 minutes or 
a, a quick, you know, one-hour men's Bible study. You need to study it. You need to read it on your own and get a full understanding of the whole book to understand it and to, to apply it to your life and, and see the benefits of it, see the, the fruit that comes out of it. It's, it's, it's the, best, the best thing I can tell you guys. So uh, thank you guys for, for, for coming. That was a little bit that I wanted to share, and I got some, uh, some pamphlets that you know, I want to share with everyone that can um, read, read when you get home. All right, thank you. Um, you know, as we, we look at, you know, men and men in the Bible, as we talk about trust and trust in the Lord and, and what it means, you know, just to kind of continue, tonight is our theme, trust. Um, to know that, you know, me as men, we have a special calling. We do. Obviously, you didn't pick your gender, right? I didn't pick my gender either. And so there's a reason that God made you a man. God made you a man for a specific reason. He put you together. There's no mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. He's perfect in what he does. He's perfect in what he chooses. And so he made you for a reason. And so tonight I'm going to run through just a few things real quick. And if you think about a few men in the Bible, and, and we're thinking about the word trust, I'm not going to actually read the whole story, but we know Abram, God has... Um, a, a word for Abram, and he says, I want you to leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, I want you to go to the land that I will show you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'm going to make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with content, and all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Who doesn't want that, right? Doesn't that sound good? God is saying to Abram, you are going to be so, so blessed. And then his story turns a little bit awkward. We know Genesis chapter 12, 12 verse 11. He says, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, look, you're a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then we will spare my life and treat me well because of the interest that they have in you. So if you take a step back and you say, wait a second, God just tells this man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing. I'm going to make you famous. You're going to have so many descendants, you can't even count them. I am going to make you the man. You're awesome. You're amazing. I'm going to do all these things for you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. As soon as he gets blessed, what does he do? He goes and he lies. Now, wait a second here. This massive, this is, a, this is a massive word from the Lord, right? This is, this is something, not something you just don't hear every day. This is something massive that God downloaded into Abraham. This is something that is phenomenal, and it's crazy, and it's amazing. But how is it as men, and, you know, even as women sometimes, how is it that as soon as we get blessed, man, we can just turn to do something wrong right away? Abram says he believed God, and he credited him his belief. But as soon as he believed, as soon as he trusted him, what was his next step? I'm going to lie. And why did he lie? Because he feared for his life. He feared for his life. He's like, man, I got a hottie for a wife. I got a hottie. And if I go down here, you know what? They might try and take my hottie, so let me lie about it. Now, is that trust? Absolutely not. 
He stopped trusting God. No matter what God had said to him, and we don't know the time frame before that, no matter what he said to him before, he finds himself lying out of fear of death. And so we look at that. We look at the lie. We look at the blessing. Genesis chapter 15, 5, as the story goes on, God speaks to him again in a vision. He says, listen, don't be afraid. Abram, I'm going to protect you. Your reward will be so great. It's going to be huge. It's going to be awesome. But Abram replied, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings if I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant of my household, he's going to inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. The Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be the heir, for you will have a son of yours, your own, who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram outside and he said, look up in the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. So you have to track the story. You have to track the person. You have to track Abram. And he gets this blessing and he gets this calling, leave, go. I'm going to be blessed. You're going to be famous. You're going to do all these amazing things. God specially picked this man. And as soon as he's picked and as soon as he starts to believe and he's getting excited and he's zealous, he turns and he lies. He finds himself in another conversation with God, and God's saying to him, I'm going to bless you. So many descendants, you can't count them. The stars, the sand, the seashore, all these things. You can't. What happens next? The story just keeps getting better. Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. Sarah, Abram's wife, she'd not been able to bear him children. So she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. I guess waiting 10 years is too long for some people. Through hearing God, through having multiple visions, through having dreams, from hearing God, seeing God, having visitation from angels, all these things leaving his home, leaving his country, leaving everything that he had, going, lying. Now, what does he do? He picks up a second wife. And he picks up a second wife. Two reasons. One, he listened to his wife, which most men agree is a good idea, unless she tells you to take on another uh, girl's wife and she's okay with it, right? Don't believe her, right? At that moment, don't trust her, right? If she tells you it's okay, don't listen to her at that point, right? Do you see the ups and downs in Abram's life? He's there, and he's present in the moment, and he's in God's presence, and he's so filled, and he's so compassionate, and he's so full of faith. And then he's lying. And then he's there again. And he's there in the moment. And he's enjoying God. And he's saying, yes, this is awesome. God's doing great things. I see the blessing. I see all my servants. I see all these things. God is doing great things. And then his wife says, take my servant. He knows. God said, I'm going to give you a son of your own. He didn't give him the plan to say, I'm going to give you a son with Sarah's servant. I'm going to give you a son of your own. So at that moment... They stopped trusting in him. And what they do? They trusted in what they had. They stopped trusting him, and they start trusting in him. Wrong wife, having the wrong kid at the wrong time. And you know what's sad about that story? You know, the son that he had, God gave him a son. 
And for years, he tried to join the families together, but there was too much fighting and there was too much competition because now for Hagar, obviously she wanted the best for her son. She wanted the best for Ishmael. And so Ishmael was a man of war. He was always going to be a wild man. And even to this day, the people and the descendants who've come after him, they are still fighting with the Jewish brothers over there. They still are at war with them. Since that time to Abram to even the present day now, these men and these groups are still constantly fighting. You know, we look at Elijah for a second, and Elijah here's another great man of faith, and we know the story of Elijah going before the king and calling out false prophets and calling out the king, and he's saying, listen, come over here, let's do a little test and see who's God. Is, is your fake God, is he the real God, or is the God that I serve, is he the one true God? And so they had a little competition, and he calls them over, and he says, all the crowd that came around him, and they repaired an altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord, and then he dug a trench around altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, laid the pieces in the wood, and then he said, fill four large jars with water, pour the water over the offering for wood. And then after they did this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they're finished, he said, now do it a third time. We have 12 gallons of water poured on the altar, poured on the sacrifice, and they did as he had said. And the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. And at the usual time for offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, prove today that you're the God in Israel and that I'm your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me. These people will know that you, O Lord, your God, and have brought them back to yourself. And I want you to take a, a pause and, and you think about this story. Such an amazing story because we know that as he prayed this, instantly fire from heaven fell. And it's such a powerful story because he goes on and he kills all the false prophets in this moment. And here's Elijah. This is one of the mightiest prophets that, that lived in Israel. He had a great time and he had a great moment and he did great and powerful things. And one of the greatest things he did in this moment, he wanted to make a stand and he said, listen, let's prove today who the real God is. Let's prove today who's the one that we should trust in, the one that we should live for, the one that we should worship. And so he goes through all these things. We know for the false prophets, all day long, they prayed. For the false prophets, they cried out to their fake God. For the false prophets, they even started cutting themselves. But no matter what they did, they didn't respond back. And you know what happens when we think about the word trust? If you trust in anything but God, you're going to get the same result. If you trust in anything, so if you think about money, you think about possessions, they're only going to get you and take you so far. If you trust in God and you trust in him alone, God will take you everywhere that he has made you to go. And then some. And then for, for Elijah, his story takes a little bit of a weird turn. And this is what I love about this man. 1 Kings 19.1, it says, Ahab got home and he told his wife Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way that he killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the God strike me 
and even kill me by this time if I've not killed you just as you've killed them. And Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And then he went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. What? How? How does a man see something so powerful? How does a man pray and see fire fall down from heaven? How does a man go and kill hundreds of false prophets, but yet one woman says, I'm going to kill you? Wasn't even to his face. Wasn't even to his face. And what does he do? He runs and says, God, I should just die. Abram, so full of faith, lying. Abram, so full of faith and trust, now he's sleeping with somebody he shouldn't be sleeping with. We see Elijah, so full of faith, trust in God, all great things, and next thing you know, he's running because one woman, he just killed hundreds of men by himself, hundreds of men by himself, and one woman threatens him. Where's the lack of trust? Where's the lack of trust when a woman and she must be one tough chick, right? She's got to be one tough girl. I mean, if she can, this guy went out and killed hundreds of prophets, hundreds, male, male, men. But a girl, a female, comes after him, and he gets freaked out, and he runs, and he wants to die. What happened to Elijah in that moment? What happened to him? You know, it's something that happens to all of us. How many of us know that through experiences and through life, we're up and we're, we come to maybe church and we come to maybe a men's night and we come to church on Sunday morning and we're having a good time, we're having a good service and we're feeling God and we're getting inspired, but the next thing you know, we hear something bad. Something bad has happened. Something tragic has happened. Maybe we get threatened. Maybe this happens, this happened. How easy is... Our faith tested. How easy is it? How many of us have seen the past few years, how many of us have gone through test after test after test after test, and in your testing, who do you trust? When God tests you, when God allows tests and trials, where do you run to? When God, when God does things and puts things in your life, where do you run and whom do you trust? One of our favorite men in the Bible, we know David. We know that he was a young man, but he was not going to put up with some giant coming after his brothers and the army of God. He picked up five stones, and he said, you know what, giant, I'm going to take you out. You don't scare me. You've defied God. You defied my brothers, and now I'm going to take you out. He picked up five stones from a stream, put them in his shepherd's bag, armed only with a staff and a sling. He started across the valley, and he wanted to fight the Philistine on his own. He wasn't afraid. He replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, spear, javelin, but I come to you, this is important, in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel. Is that how you fight your battles? Is that how we fight our battles? When bill collectors call, do we say, I'm going to fight you in the name of God? When people threaten us on the road when they're coming by and they're giving us that universal sign for hello with that one finger, do we say, in Jesus' name, 
do we stand and fight? Is God, this God that we serve, the God that we know, the God that we love, the God that we trust, is this the one, the very thing that we cling to? He is our source. He is our strength. He is everything. Because for King David, one of the mightiest men in the Bible, he wasn't the biggest, the buffest, and the toughest, but he had a faith and trust in God more than everybody else. As a young man, he was afraid to fight somebody that no one else wanted to take on. And I wonder what God's put in your life that you're afraid to take on. I wonder what God has put in your life, what giant God has put in your life that you've been afraid to take down. And in this story, the army and all the old men and the generals and the captains and even the king were all afraid to face the giant. No one wanted to face the giant, but it took the heart of a young man to say, when God's with me, no one can be against me. When God's on my side, nothing, nothing is going to stop me. God will put giants in our way to see how you handle your giants. God puts massive tests, strengths, you know, we, giants. And this guy was over nine feet tall. And so I wonder this week, I wonder this year, I wonder this next upcoming year, what are you going to face and how will you handle them? Can we be like King David to say, no matter what's coming my way, I'm fighting it in the name of my God. My God, the God of heaven's armies, he's going to take care of me. He's going to watch over me. I'm going to take down the giants. I'm going to be fearless. I'm going to be full of faith. I'm going to be full of zeal and passion for my God. Nothing is going to stop me because God is for me. As we look at two more people real quickly, Luke chapter 12, 16. Jesus tells him the story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns, and I'm going to build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat, other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, have you have enough stored away for years to come? Take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you are a fool. This day, this night, then you will get, you will die, for you will get everything that you work for, will you? Yet a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. We see a man in the story that Jesus describes as someone who wanted bigger barns, and he started to do well in life, and he started to be prosperous. And so he thought to himself, I'm so prosperous right now. What should I do? Should I go help the homeless? Nah, I don't need to help the homeless. Ah, oh, should I give more to my church? Nah, I don't need to do that. I know what I'll do. I'll take the extra money I have, and I'm going to store it away, and I'm going to hide it. I'm going to put it under my mattress. I'm going to build a barn, and I'm going to throw my money in there, and I'm going to buy a safe, and I'm going to buy this. I'm going to store more, and then it's just going to more and more and more. And you know what happened to this poor man? God said, you're a fool, and for this very night, you're going to die. If, you're, if your trust is in money, what, what happens next week if you pass away and you put all your trust in money? What good is it? What good will your money be? And how many of us, God doesn't want us to be stupid and foolish. So it doesn't mean that we, you know, just take every dollar and cent that we have and we just throw it up in the wind and watch it blow away. But this story is a very powerful story to say if your trust is in dough, watch out because God does not share, God does not share hearts with anything. He wants your heart, and he does not want money nor fear to consume your heart. He wants you to trust him with every penny, every dollar, everything that you have. And you think about this, this man, and to me it's such a sad story because he was thinking to himself, what should I do? I'm doing well. 
but everything was all for himself. Everything, it wasn't for the betterment of his town, his community. It wasn't really for his family. It was just, what should I do for myself? Be careful what people tell you. Be careful what the culture tells you. Be careful what financial advisors tell you. It's not God. It's not God. You should listen to what God tells you. And if you listen to what God tells you to do, you know that your life is in the right place. My last story tonight is a, is a widow. And it says, Mark 12, 41, for this lady, she sat down near the collection. Jesus sat down in their collection booth in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow is given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of the surplus, tiny part of surplus, but she, being poor she is, She's given everything that she has to live on. And what a, what a big, what a big difference from the two people that Jesus described. Here's a rich man. He's becoming prosperous. What should I do? Let's store away. Let's hide it away. God says, your life, now it's mine and you're gone. And then here's a widow who says, I have nothing, but even what my nothing I have, God, I trust you. Jesus and I love this story because it says he sits down near the collection box and watches. Do you not think what God watches, what we tithe? Do we not think that every Sunday morning, Wednesday, or Thursday night, do we not think that God isn't watching to see how? How do we think? How do we process about tithes? How do we process about tithes and offerings, about giving to our church, about giving to the community, about helping? That's one thing that we will have to be accountable for is how we give our money. Jesus said your treasure is where your heart is. You can't serve God and money. And here's a man who thought I can serve money and money can serve me. And he lost everything that he had. And yet here's a widow who says, I'm a widow, no man to take care of me, doesn't matter. God is my man, he's taking care of me, and I give everything that I have. And so as you're thinking about trust, as you're thinking about that word, as you're thinking about that story, as you're thinking about this widow giving everything that she has, you now look at this verse, and it's a verse that, that Sixto read a little bit ago. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, Seek God in all you do. He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. Turn from evil. You'll have healing for your body, strength for your bones. The writer goes on. Honor the Lord with your wealth. The best part, everything you produce. Then he'll fill your barns with grain. Your vats will overflow with good wine. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. The Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. The Lord corrects those he loves, and as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. You know, and so you think about trust for a second, and I'm going to close with this, which is very tough, and it's very challenging. Money alone dictates what you trust in. Money alone, our possessions, what we do, how we give, tithes, offering, it really dictates and it shows where our trust is. Is our trust in our buck? Is our trust in the Lord? Is our trust in our bank account and our future or is it in the Lord? And again, I'm not saying you take this and that means that you just go and give all your money away. That absolutely has nothing, nothing to do with it at all. But how you give, what you give, 
it speaks so loud and so clear, do I trust in the Lord or am I trusting in my pocket or am I trusting in my future or am I trusting in my future and my future and my future and my future? God says, listen, if your life is placed into my hands, if your life is placed into my hands, I will meet all your needs. But if your life is placed in your own hands, you will be subject to every choice that you make. That word trust in the Hebrew in the Old Testament means to take refuge in, to be confident, to be bold, even to be careless, and to put all hope in. To put refuge in, confidence in, to be bold and careless, to put all of my hope in. And that word honor there in the Old Testament means to be heavy, burdensome, to make weighty, abounding, boasting, glorifying, promoting, be rich. And so there's two big words that Proverbs uses in 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on what we know. Seek him in all you do. And secondly, he goes on to say, honor the Lord with your wealth. Trusting confidently, carelessly, and then honoring him means this weight that we take on to say, God, your word means everything to me. God, as I read this, this word is getting heavy on my heart. God, I'm reading this story and I'm being convicted right now. God, I've been trusting in myself. God, I've been trusting in my two of my hands. I've been trusting in my employer. God, I've been trusting in my 401. God, I've been trusting in my boss. I've been trusting in this. I've been trusting in the stock market. God, I have not been trusting in you. God, forgive me. I am listening to your word. I am hearing your word loud and clear, and I want to honor you. I want to take that weight, the weight of what the word says, to honor you with my wealth, to honor you with my life, to honor you with every single thing that I have. And so tonight as we wrap up, we looked at Abraham. And here's a man, and it's a beautiful man who was called the father of Abraham. And there's a song after him, Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, right? He has his own song. He's got his own dance. He's in the Bible. He's got a good section in the Bible. And no matter what he got from God, he still made mistakes. He still lied. He took somebody that he wouldn't, wasn't supposed to take. He failed to trust God. God said, I'm going to give you a son. But yet he didn't listen. He listened to his wife over listening to the Lord. I want to encourage you tonight. Trust in the Lord. You want to get good respect? You want your wife, your kids, men, if you want people in your town and your community to trust you, to look to you. It starts by you trusting in him first. It starts by you taking the word of God and saying, not, I love Father Abraham, but I'm not going to lie. I love Father Abraham. I don't need to take another wife. I don't need to mess around. You look at Elijah, and here's a man who went out, and he was willing to kill hundreds of other men, but yet he was afraid of one woman. He lacked trust in God in that one moment. And there's one moment we all face. There's one moment. There's one moment looking at your phone. What should I do? Should I, should I look? Should I not look? God watches over every single thing that you do, that you see, that you're watching, that you're soaking in. No matter how great you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how buff you are, just like Elijah, it comes down to one moment sometimes. And for him, he ran scared and wanted to die because somebody threatened his life. No matter what you're facing, keep trusting in him. And, of course, our, our big, handsome, hud uh, hunk of uh, King David, 
He took on somebody that nobody else wanted to fight. He trusted in God. He was full of faith as a young man. And men, do not, do not pass off what God's called you to do to your sons because you're afraid to do it. Don't pass off to other people. I'm too old. I can't handle. I can't do this. I can't relate. Don't pass off what God's called you to do to somebody else. God has made you for this moment. God has made you for this time. God has made you for this season. And everything that is in front of you right this second, God's saying stand up and fight. God's saying stand up and trust me. This is the moment where trust me matters. This is the moment where trust is important. You said in the past you trust me. You said in the past you honor me. Show me that you trust me. Show me that you honor me. And what's the greatest ways that we can do that? Do I trust my money? Do I trust in him? Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for a beautiful men's name. God, I thank you for our men. God, I thank you for our Zoe men. God, I thank you for the men who watch through YouTube. God, I thank you for our friends. God, I thank you for our families. God, I thank you that this night is really, really important. God, as we prayed about, as we talked about what we should, we should do, you gave us this word trust. You put trust into our hearts, minds, and souls. And so we thought about it. God, we've prayed about it. God, we've gone to the Bible about it. We've gone and looked and researched and studied about it. This is the word that you've given to us. God, so I pray through all the things, through all the definitions, through all the stories, God, in the Bible, God, in Sixto's life, every single thing that we have gone through tonight, God, that you would take this word trust, and no matter what we see tonight, no matter what we're going to see tomorrow, God, as it is going to matter where the rubber meets the road, you're going to say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Can you take down that giant? Can you give the amount of money that I'm telling you to give? Are you holding or are you giving? Are you trusting, and what are you trusting? Is your trust in me? Is your trust in me? And as we pray, and as we finish in prayer, and we close, one of the toughest things to think, we've been groomed all of our lives to think we work, we put away, we save for our retirement, and then we play. That's the same story, story as the guy with bigger barns. He said, I'm, I'm making it. I'm doing great things. And then he stored away. And then God said, because of this, you cared about that more than you cared about me. Watch what you're storing up. If you're storing up money for the future and God's not a part of that future, you better take a check. You better check your heart. God is saying, me first today. Me first tomorrow. Me first the rest of your life. I will add everything unto your life. If all you care about is storing up for the future, for this young man, for this man in this story, he lost everything and his life ended. Did not get to see the fruit of anything because money was all that he trusted. Don't put your hope and trust in money. Put your hope and trust in God. We have to say that. We got to put it on our mirrors. We got to put it in front of us while we drive. We got to listen to things that talk about trusting in the Lord. Trusting the Lord. There is no greater time than right now. There is no greater time than right now than to put our hope and trust in Him and no one and nothing else. God, soak trust into our mind, our heart, and our soul. God, forgive us because we've done the, some of the things that Abraham did. God, all of us have lied. 
God, all of us have made mistakes. God, we've done the same things that Elijah. God, we've done strong, powerful things. We've lifted weights. We've, we've accomplished things in our jobs. But yet we've been threatened by somebody, been threatened by, by anybody. God, and we've, we've all ran, God, from people. We've all ran from things. We've all hid at times. We've even ran and hid from you, God, at times. God, forgive us, God, where we have fallen short. God, forgive us tonight where we've fallen short. God, and, and all of us, we've all put our hope in money at times. God, we've all put our hope in our 401K, in our future, in our savings, in stock, and every single thing else that people have told us that we have to do. God, we've all done it. God, forgive us where we've trusted that more than we've trusted you. God, remind us. God, correct us, like you said in Proverbs, that you're a loving father who corrects his children. God, get our lives on track in trusting in you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you again for this night. In Jesus' name, amen.